Hello guys and welcome back to the With A Minute To Go podcast. As ever, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the channel, like the video if you do enjoy it, and smash that notification bell so you do not miss a thing. You can also find us on Spotify by typing in With A Minute To Go, or by clicking the link via our social medias on Instagram and Twitter at WAMTGpod. So, this week we've got a lot to talk about. Um, the potential takeover at Arsenal with Spotify owner Daniel Ek looking to buy out Cronkies uh, Sports Entertainment following the protests outside the Emirates Stadium. The newly promoted sides in Norwich and Watford and what they'll have to do to avoid a repeat of the 2019-20 Premier League season. The Champions League semi-final first legs, Real Madrid against Chelsea and PSG against Man City. The scout and obviously Matt versus uh, looking to build on the impressive win over Tom last week. So just quickly on last week, um, so last week our camera did stop uh, recording 20 minutes into it. Um, hopefully this week we won't have that problem. Anyway, we're joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks. Good. And we've got a, a very special guest today. Um, obviously, starting this podcast, myself and Matt wanted to work together to provide you guys with some good football content. And I'm pleased to say we're joined by the third winter, Lewis. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Um, it's been a long time waiting, but um, it's good to, glad to be finally on. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a good episode today. Uh, right, we'll, we'll crack on straight into it then. And obviously, the first one we'll come on to is uh, the Arsenal takeover. Now, we're all Arsenal fans. Um, and last Friday, the protests outside the Emirates Stadium were pretty impressive and, and very well publicised. And obviously, that was followed by Daniel Ek, the owner of the £50 billion company Spotify, tweeting last Friday, sort of unofficially declaring his interest in Arsenal. Now, since then, things have moved on pretty rapidly, and he's actually done a TV interview where he states he'll make an offer in the near future. Ek, alongside his consortium, consisting of the three Arsenal legends, Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, and Dennis Burkamp looking to buy out Cronky Sports Entertainment and obviously this is huge news so Matt what are your initial reactions to this? Exciting but I think we need to be uh, very careful and um, very realistic probably as to to what um, will probably happen and um, you know when it first came out it was oh hang on a minute this this could be something and I think I speak for all Arsenal fans or, or you know 99% of them when you say we're not happy with, with the current board and the owners um, uh, you know the the owner that's the distant owner um and daniel ek a self-confessed arsenal fan um obviously talking about the legends Henri Vieira Burkamp alongside it you know i think for any arsenal fan straight away you know the mention of those names is a positive thing um but we've got to be realistic this this process um if if it gets comes to fruition it'll take a long time i think um i think They've come out um, KSE and said that they're no interest in selling, and and why would they? Probably, you mm. know, they're looking at it from a business point of view at the minute. There's no interest in selling. But I think every uh, everyone has their price um, in anything at all, and that that will be the key. I think how serious they are um, to want to put a bid in, um, and how much money they will go and spend. But I think everyone has a price, and and there will be a price that that Cronkies are probably happy to to sell at. Yep, Lewis, would you agree with that? Yeah, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt sometimes, these things. There's lots of um, people who want to buy football clubs and you often hear a Nigerian billionaire wants to buy Arsenal or something like this. This seems a bit more serious. Um, this guy, you know, as, as Matt said, is is an Arsenal fan. He says he has been for over 30 years. Um, you know, we've got to take him for his word that he, you know, he used to come to Highbury, he used to watch the games and often covers the Emirates. Um, you know, that's all well and good. Has he got the money to buy it? I don't know. He says he does. 
it's it's difficult really as Matt said why would Cronkies want to sell at the minute mm. obviously with the, the financial situation with the coronavirus perhaps perhaps they perhaps they might at the right price but they're not going to come out and say oh yeah we're for sale it's mm. it's going to it's going to knock down the price of the club so they're just going to keep with this stance I think um, and see what see what Ek has got to, to put forward yeah. because he hasn't actually put his offer on the table yet so the one thing I would say that's that could impact it is obviously the, the protests that have gone on. Do, do you reckon that sort of fan pressure will have any impact? Or obviously we know Cronky is based outside of the United Kingdom, so maybe that, that might not sway him too much as well? Honestly, and, I, and it's quite sad really, I don't think Cronky cares about the, the fan protests. Yeah. He's over in America. Um, I don't think he pays much attention to it. He owns all, owns all these other American franchises and clubs and Arsenal just one of one of many he's got. and. I don't think it will have that much of an impact of him being far away, not caring about the club, not, you know, I don't know if he follows results as closely as, as he should do as an owner. I don't think he probably does. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the protests, I mean, if they if they carry on at every single game, in the end, something may have to happen, but just a one-off protest, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, no, I've got to agree with you, to be honest. I mean, we've seen it in, in the past, but it's it's nice that we've, you know our fan base is, is united on one thing. Obviously, we've seen it in, in the past with with Wenger, and there's been a lot of disputes and disagreements in the stands. Um, but but this is uh, something that we can all come together on. And and for me, this is obviously a, a great idea in principle, and and obviously involving those those three legends and Ek, who has probably said he's an Arsenal fan. And, and something I picked up was during sort of Spotify board meetings, he'd be watching Arsenal on his phone, which which I think that tells you something. Um, so for Arsenal to, to have the prospect of, of having people at the top in charge of the club that, that love the club and support the club is, is something that I think has been vacant for that past sort of 12, 13 years. Um, so, so just how important would it be um, for Arsenal's future to, to have people that care um, at, at the top of the club? I think if, you, if you're talking about the Burkamp, Vieira, Omri, 100%. I mean, every Arsenal fan, I think any football fan wants um, you know legendary players or people that have the club... It, in their heart and the best interests of, of the football club and when we talk about football we talk about what is on the pitch not necessarily everything that goes alongside it and the, the business side which football cert most certainly is now um, I think any club would um, does, does it always work? No um, it'd be interesting to see if and when we hear from, from these legends and, and do they do they give any public sort of um, backing to Daniel Ek because I think I'm not sure I've seen any at the minute, no, the, but the, I've seen Daniel Ek sort of. Obviously, he's he's the one who's sort of not leaked out, but he he said that these are behind him. Mm. Now, I think if you look at someone like Thierry and, and Patrick Vieira, um, young managers, I, I I would have thought that they'd be wanting to try to get into managing, possibly in the Premier League at some point in the near future. Now, obviously, it was quite well publicised. Omri was potentially looking an option for Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, he can't be then. In this consortium to buy Arsenal and then want to go and manage in the Premier no, League, you know, so yeah. that would have been a big change for them too. But again, you know, I think Omri was on Talk Sport the other the other morning yes, talking about, um, you know, his his um, frustrations with what's going on at the minute. You know, I think what you said before, what you both said before, with with the protests, it was great. It was great to see, and, and a lot of Arsenal fans, I think, it was probably the most out of all the clubs in the week mm. come together, and you know, I think. Obviously, the main reason is is, is the Super League and, and and the fallout of that, but also the frustration from from the the fans on on the board and and the owners. Um, but Lewis is right; he's got a lot of franchises, two thousand people, however many there are. You know, aren't, aren't gonna aren't gonna worry him. 
no. you know that that's not that's a problem we look at Arsenal and, and the global fan base you know um, that couple of thousand people meeting outside the Emirates now if, if there was a, a, a larger scale protest if it was a, a boycott of games if it, if it got that far then um, then you might sort of see it. If it starts hurting them in the pocket, which mm -hmm. is obviously as a business, that's yeah. going to be the thing. Then there may be there there will be mm -hmm. some sort of term where Arsenal isn't as profitable, or Arsenal isn't isn't um, makes business sense for them anymore, and then they may look to sell. But mm -hmm. um, until that happens, I think we're probably stuck with uh, with Conky. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've got to be honest, I can't really see that happening. I know a lot of fans in in brief have sort of mentioned about you know not buying merchandise or not renewing season tickets and. and to be honest, that's just not going to happen, is it? I mean, I know we're going to renew our tickets, so it doesn't really make a huge difference to us. Now, the the, the big thing I wanted to pick up on was obviously the th the three legends, uh, Vieira, Burkamp, and Omri, all part of that invincible team in 2003-04. But but is there a danger that you know if, if it doesn't go right, or if they do take over and we sort of go downhill a little bit, that they could tarnish those legacies? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Two of them. Are have statues outside the ground and arguably the other one should probably have one as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think Arsenal fans at the minute will accept anyone apart from Kroenke mm -hmm. and if it includes these three coming in as well, even if they don't, if it's not clear what their role would be, I think they'll accept it. I don't, I don't think you can go anywhere, any, any further down than it is now. Mid-table, yeah. we, we might not even be in Europe next season for the first time in 25 years or whatever it is, it can't get any worse than it is. Um, if you have a man, an owner who is an Arsenal fan and three Arsenal legends, you know, I think Arsenal fans would be more prepared to, to give them time. Um, but as Matt said, it'd be interesting to see what they do. Is Vieira and Henri are young managers. They want to, you know, there's been talk of Vieira and especially Henri managing Arsenal in the future. Mm. I'm not sure if Henri was interviewed for the job before Arteta, but it was something to do with it. And it's interesting to hear Henri's views on the ownership now and the state of the club. You know whether that had anything to do with, you know, that proposed interview that you had. Um, but no, I don't think their legacies will be tarnished at all. I just think no, obviously they've done too much. They've got too much credit in the bank. Yeah, they will, will never go. One hundred percent. I mean, growing up, you two. I mean, not not me as such because I was born during that two thousand three four season. But you saw them in their prime, and to be honest, those three are probably the the biggest three names. Matt, you, you, you agree with what Lewis is saying there? Oh, 100%. You know, for, for me, Thierry Henry is, is the greatest footballer I've seen live, and I've seen Lionel Messi and I've seen Cristiano Ronaldo. But for me, I'll have my bias Arsenal hat on. But when I watch him in full flow, and even watching videos back now when they mm. pop up on Twitter, you know, what he did for Arsenal. Um, you know, Dennis Bergkamp as well, he obviously came before and, and really changed Arsenal as a club um, pre Arsene Wenger. Um, and and also and say what they what they all brought to the club. But Lewis is spot on. The legacies won't change. I think if they were managers and they're making direct decisions, it's like different when they're when they're probably upstairs a little yeah. bit more. But you know that they're coming in and their best. You know that they've got their best interests of Arsenal Football Club at heart. A hundred percent. You know that, and you can you can guarantee that things. It's not a guarantee that things will go well, and Arsenal starts climbing the table and bringing in the best players. But what you know is what they're doing behind the scenes Definitely. is all to the, to the benefit of the football club. Where at the minute you cannot you cannot say that for sure. Yeah. I mean that's the big thing. We're, we're, if they did come in, or if anyone did come in, we're not expecting. Arsenal to shoot back up to, to where they were sort of 15, 20 years ago. It's all about that rebuilding process and it's been mentioned a lot under Arteta and obviously it's well to be honest it's gone it's gone downhill since then. I can obviously we we've spoken about in previous episodes that phase from around October till December where we hardly won a game, lost a lot of home games. So yeah, for me if, if they do come in and, and it does take a while then then so be it. 
but obviously the, the for me the other the other sort of big concern and, and probably the main concern is the money side of things. Now, it's been rumoured that the Ek will go in with a, a bid around 1.8 billion pounds to take over the club. Now, Kroenke has actually issued a statement in the last few days, and I'll read a little bit out now. So he said, in recent days, we have noted media speculation regarding a potential takeover bid for Arsenal Football Club. We remain 100% committed to Arsenal and are not selling any stake in the club. We have not received any offer and we will not entertain any offer. And obviously reading this as an Arsenal fan, extremely frustrating to be honest. Um, but it, it does beg that question again, is this just a ploy to, to get more money for the club? I think that's exactly it. Um, you're not going to come out and say, oh yeah we are for sale. They're going to they're yeah. release these statements. They had to react to, some, to, the, to Daniel Eck's proposal at some point. Um, and they've done exactly what everyone would expect them to do. And the news straight away came out afterwards that Eck was still fully going ahead with his proposal. Yeah. He was going to, you know, it hasn't put him off at all. Um, he spoke the next day, did an interview yesterday, um, Wednesday, Eck speaking to American TV about it, how, you know, he's passionate still about doing it, and that he's, in, he's ready to be in it for the long haul. I yeah. think that's what it will be, because it's not going to be a quick, quick thing, and um, Conkeys may not be ready to sell now. They may not say they're not ready to sell now, but maybe in the future they will be yeah I mean I mean hopefully um, Matt 1.8 billion yeah not enough really is it, uh, it it's, look you've got to look at two points as much as we are talk we will talk football and what matters what happens on the pitch is the most important thing for sure look at it as a business point of view Daniel Wett comes out and says five billion and the Cronkies would sell for three he's mm. as a business that's he's he's messed himself up there yeah, yeah. you know Vice versa, if Cronkies come out and say, "Oh, we we'll sell for three billion and and Eck would have gone, "Oh, well, you're not allowed to pay five for it, but mm. I'll take it for free." Yeah. You know, so you look at that, that's just basic business. Yeah. You know, same with then. You know, Cronkies make this statement: "We're not for sale, not for sale, any price. We're not looking to sell." Um, Daniel Eck is interviews next day. So, oh, well, they said they're not going to sell, so we're not going to bother. That would show he's not. He's got no intent. Yep. The fact he said, "No, well, you know, we're not going away." This is what we want. It's not. We're not messing around. We're serious here. We, we've, you know, we've secured the funds. It's, I think it's what he said, wasn't it? We, yep. We've secured funds yep. that we believe that will that will buy the club. Now, a lot will happen behind the scenes, and it might be a quick process. This might take years down the line. Mm. You know, you, you think about um, previous Arsenal. We, we look, uh, Alicia Usmanov was involved. Yep. Um, yep. Monsieur, is it, uh, who's the, the one at Everton now? Mashir was involved yep. as well. You know, that went on for a long, long time. Um, Kroenke was involved for a long, long time before it ever happened. Um, but I think just a little side note is worth remembering is, um, and there's been a lot of talk about the 51% fan ownership, which yeah. obviously is something that they have in Germany. You know, when Kroenke got his majority shares, fans, Arsenal fans who had shares were forced to sell to him. Um, now, it's not right, is it? It's not right, and at the time it was never right. And and um, we're now in a situation where obviously he is the majority shareholder, he is the owner of the club, and. Um, you know that's something for English football. It's a wider, wider thing. But you know that just shows where the fans are regarded at, at the minute yeah. that there was, you know, they were forced to have mm. to sell their shares across to to Stan Kroenke, and you know nothing they could do about it. You yeah. know, people, some people might say, oh well, you, you sold to the Kroenkes, but actually <laughs> there's actually legally was nothing they could yeah. do. So um, that's another thing. But look, like I said going back to that, it's a business. You know, neither are going to show their hands straight away because that would be foolish. I think um, if you go online, I think Daniel X. Worth it, net or net worth is three point four billion, is it or something like that? Mm. You know, and people said, "Oh, that's not a lot. That's no. not enough." And Stan Kroenke's more, but Stan Kroenke's more than Abramovich, I think. Yeah, you he's, know, I think he's, he's, the, he's the third in in the Premier League, well, third yeah. richest. Well, there. So you know, it doesn't 
I mean, having that owner who's, I think Stan Kroger is, is it 15 possibly without looking? 15 billion? Off the top of my head, I don't know. That doesn't mean anything because yeah. we've known that as Arsenal fans. Yeah. You know, 15 billion yeah. is not going to attract all the best no, players no, or do no, the right thing. So, um, I, I'm not necessarily so worried with the, with the financial side at the minute, but I think that you know it seems like he will be able to put some sort of package together. It's whether they can now come to an agreement, and like I said, it could take a long time. Yeah, well, well, like you said, it, it could take a long time. And and to be honest, whether whether it is this one or, or it's another one, two, three years down the line, do you see that at some point it could happen? I think Cronkies will go eventually. They won't. They won't be there forever. Um, mm. Obviously, Josh is much younger than Stan, so he could hang around for a bit longer, but. <laughs> Um, I think they will go the fan pressure will it, it depends a lot on the results on the pitch I mean Arsenal fans are massively against how silent Stan is and that's how you know his nickname um, <laughs> but I think it's it's mostly down to results on the pitch since he's been the majority shareholder Arsenal have just gone gone in one direction and they're keeping going in that, yeah. in that same direction my, my only throwback will be to you on that one with silent Stan is how often do we hear from Roman Abramovich for example no, yeah. true, but but he the only thing he is at games. Yes, you could, yeah. he used to be at the, games. The thing is, is now is how to, yeah. how do we want um, what do we want from our owner? Do we want to, is it an owner that we want to be able to see who's visually there and you know um, when Abramovich did go to games, you, the camera would pan to him, he's celebrating. Obviously, mm. he, you know it wasn't his club, but it's his club now, mm. and he's taking that in his heart. Or are we looking right? We want an owner who's going to be like Abramovich financially or, or the Man City owners where they're just going to go right well we're behind you and this is where we're going to put the club here's 250 mil go and mm. buy whatever. you know that's what are we looking for and I think um, it is, as fans obviously we want our owner to, to be active financially yeah. I think that's that's the thing isn't it it's, yeah. bringing, it's bringing the finances to the club um, that allows us to compete with, with other clubs because you know for, for a long time we had a manager who done very well with probably lim- not well not limited funds but not as many funds as, as the other yeah. big clubs and now yeah. um, actually Arsenal to be found the Cronkies have spent a lot of money you know yeah. you look at Nicola Pepe 70 mil Thomas Party quite recently 40 odd mil so there, there is money going yeah. in just in the wrong areas I can think of Mustafi who's 35 million well, that, that, is that the owner's fault I don't, I'm not no, sure well, that's the owner's I don't fault think I think is, no. that's, that's down to recruitment and whether that's a manager or, or recruitment team many of the signings haven't been the Cronkies own money themselves has been raised, you know, from, from money through the club. The, mm-hmm. the one that was was the most recent one, Party, in uh, you know last summer, which was all reports say that it, it was funded by the Cronkies. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, it's said in the right direction. Cronkies, Josh Cronkies said um, apparently to staff this week that funds will be made available this summer. But you know, we hear that every year. The war chest yeah. story is coming out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Season ticket renewal time, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think that's. But again, you know it. We've had it before with with other managers, and, and a lot of clubs say you know funds available, but is the right man there to to use the funds wisely? Yeah. You know, and we'd say over the last couple of managers, and to be fair, even even Arsene Wenger had had a lot of, of bad signings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think the way the football is at the minute, the finances are so to bring in a a good player, not a world class player, you've got to spend a lot of money. Um, and Arsenal aren't certainly attracting world class players currently with their league position. So to buy a good player, it's going to cost a lot of money, but also the recruitment's got to be right. To be fair, there's been some good recruitment, um, and there's been some things that just haven't worked out. But um, you know, great if they are going to put some money forward. Mm-hmm. But I think that's another argument again: is is the right man there to to make sure we get the right players? In? Now, now, for me, quickly, obviously, Wenger was there for a long, long time. He only left a couple of years ago. Sorry, three years ago actually. Now it is. Um, it's a bit of a tough one to answer, I guess. But do you reckon if if Wenger left sort of 
five, six years earlier or, or say after that FA Cup win that this would have come round three or four years ago and, and all of a sudden, all, now we'd be down the line a little bit more. Possibly, yeah, yeah. it could have been pushed forward. Um, Wenger did drag on a bit too much, um, as we all know. But it, it's hard to say, it's all hindsight, isn't it? Looking back yeah. and we don't know how it would have gone, we don't know what manager they would have gone for if Wenger was, went three or four years before, it could have been someone completely different. Emery was out of the blue yeah. um, when we got him. No one expected it until the day before he was appointed. Um, so we don't know who they would have gone with, and that may have changed things. And it depends on the structure, the transfer, the transfer, you know, the team. They changed so much in the last few years. Raul, yeah. Lehi, we had Ben Mislintat. Yeah. We've now got Edu. It's changed so much in the last few years, even since Wenger's gone. Imagine the last three years. Yeah. So it's hard to know, you know, who's actually buying the players, who's picking the players. So. And I think this yeah. would be saying in Arteta's favour is. Um, you know, we've seen it at clubs that regularly change their manager, and you see it lower down the pyramid more because it happens more regularly. But a manager will come in, and none of the players will be his type of players. And then it's about trying to get out as many as he can, and then he brings in his players. And then before you know it, that manager's sacked, mm. and it's such a vicious circle. So maybe it is in Arteta's favour now that they go, well, you know what? You've got some of the players in you want, and we've, you know, we talked about it on previous pods. The January window was fantastic for Arsenal and Arteta, mm. and remove, getting rid of players that he didn't yeah, want. Yeah. Um, and they're going to go right. Well, let's do that again now. Whether it's the summer and January again, we've got a, that turnover of players to yeah. actually give you. Rather than, you know, there's a lot of talk. If we don't win the Europa League, Arteta's going to go. And you know, if he did, I don't think there's any arguments there. But you know, maybe that's an, an argument for him to stay. That they just want to keep some sort of consistency yeah. and able to to bring in those players that, that are his players. I think this is almost a little bit of a, a blessing in disguise that Ian Emery didn't have the distraction of, of obviously the ownership taking full command now the final thing before we do move on I want to ask you Lewis do you think this deal will go through or not the Danuek one yep uh, no I don't think so okay no. any reason I think it's just too public I've been, yeah. you know, I've been listening to lots of Sky Sports News the last few days I'm sure we all have yep. and they say you know most of the takeovers that happen happen behind the scenes quickly you don't know about them mm. this one's so public you tweeted about it he's on the TV talking about it and you know all about the details about who's going to be involved so I don't I don't the, think so. The question that's been raised, though, could this be the exception? Because it has moved on so quickly in the space of a week. You, you, are, you kind of think that was he sitting Friday night watching the Everton game, you know, watching seeing the protests and thought, oh, I'd like to buy Arsenal. Yeah. Mm. And and it snowballed from there. Yeah. Because of the you know the first thing is a is a tweet. You don't I mean things might have gone on behind the scenes, mm. but I kind of feel we had that vibe where Friday night he you know he's watching the game, he sees the protests. He obviously, we've had the the week leading up to that game um, with the Super League Monday it was happening, and and all of a sudden then it's not happening, and um, I kind of felt oh that'd be a good idea to buy Arsenal, and then it's very very quickly yeah. snowballed yeah, into this thing. That, now. Yeah. What I'd say is I think he I think he must have been thinking about it. I had something in the plan before because. To get Henri Burkamp and Vieira supposedly on board by Monday after tweeting yeah. on Friday, probably, you know... Seems pre-planned, doesn't it? Yeah, I think something must have been going on behind the, behind the scenes a bit longer than, than just yeah. Friday. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll move on, but, you know, at the end of the day, it would be nice to see someone else at, at the helm at, at Arsenal, whether that be Ek or, or anyone else. Obviously, the addition of the three legends in Henri Burkamp and Vieira is a, a huge incentive for us fans. And I just wanted to briefly touch on the two clubs that have already been promoted back to the Premier League, Norwich and Watford. Now, both clubs have bounced straight back from the Championship after relegation in 2020. Matt, we spoke about both of these in a, a previous Championship-based episode. I think it's fair to say that they've, they've both had a, a comfortable ride in the end. 
Uh, Norwich have. I would. I wouldn't say Watford. Obviously, okay. they've changed the manager, and I think that's something that Watford are known uh, known well for. Yeah. Um, hiring and firing. Um, I think they had at least three managers last year, didn't they? When they when they come down. And, yeah. Um, obviously, the manager didn't last long, but but you've got to commend them on their appointment because everything I hear about the new manager and you know we watch um, Ben Foster and, he, and his videos at yep. week, you know twice a week and he's Troy Deeney talking on TalkSport you know they're very very positive about this manager and why wouldn't you you know he's got them back up first yep. time of asking um, I think we talked about in the episode the recruitment was good they managed to keep hold of a lot of their better players exactly, exactly. Um, so is, is that the manager or is that the players because yeah, well, at the beginning of the so season many. they were poor yeah. and that's why the manager lost his job yeah. so the, man, the fact that the new manager is able to come in and, and get them playing and get them right and to be fair the one that's been the most interesting one is Bev Foster hasn't played you know he yeah, got injured yeah. and for, for a few the, months isn't it? yeah they put yeah. the young goalie in and he's been back for a while now Ben Foster and, and the goalie's played and, and done really well and to be fair Ben Foster's the ultimate pro and, and has spoke highly about him and, and you know inwardly he's probably frustrated he's not playing but outwardly he's you know been great for the group and um, yeah look, I think it, Norwich have been you know Norwich have done what you what Norwich do anyway they 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 won the championship you know did they come second. Did they win the championship last time? They did. They've won the championship at least two. Yes, before. I think something like that. Yeah. Getting promoted, you know. Talk about the quality of player they've got. I think a lot of their players are very much in between players. Mm. You know, mm. fantastic in the championship. Yeah, 100%. Um, but are they are they going to do it there? So you know, it's a, it's, it's great for both clubs. Um, massive summer ahead for them. But but that sort of begs the question then: is there is there a case that a lot of these players, well, this club, if we focus in on Norwich, have done really well to keep hold of their their better players, sort of Puki, Buendia, Countwell, Max Aaron's that towards sort of summer, July, August last year, there was a lot of rumours that they they could have headed elsewhere to the Premier League. Yeah, and I think probably the the impact of the coronavirus pandemic probably helped them in that regard because yeah. people weren't willing to spend what Norwich wanted for these players, Buendia especially. I know he didn't have a great season in the Premier League. Um, Campwell as well them two in particular um, they have done well to keep them and the fact they've gone back straight back up means they're more likely to keep them because they can put a higher price tag on them if someone wants them I know Arsenal have been linked with him with Ben Brendier and Campwell before you can add an extra 20 million on now when they're in the Premier League um, yep. Norwich don't have to sell and you know they'll keep hold of them but you're talking about the quality of their squads I often speak to you about it and you, you you look through their starting 11 you say oh well, that's the Premier League squad well, yeah. well most of them went down the Premier League yeah, so it yeah, yeah. doesn't mean they'll do better next year but you know it'd be interesting Pookie you know we don't know about Pookie yeah. um, oh, well, he, seems a, he seems a championship striker to be honest I'm not trying to be harsh but yeah. he scores you 20 odd, 25 goals in the championship and yeah. will get you promoted out of the championship and I think that's about yeah. his limit. Is the sort of player that would be re-signed by another championship side, sort of at the top, Cardiff, Barnsley, another team that don't go up, that mm. will be looking to go well, up. He'll, next he'll, year. he'll be at Norwich. He'll be fine, but, and he'll do. You know, he started the Premier League season last year unbelievably well, well didn't yeah. he? Yep. And then he'll yeah. probably fade away again. <laughs> if Norwich don't recruit well, they get relegated, and then yeah. he'll be one of the best players yep. in the championship again. Yep. I think that, that that's that vicious circle that that Norwich are in at the minute. Yeah. Um, you know, to be fair, a lot of the. A lot of the clubs that have come up in recent years, you know, Bar, Bar Fulham, who, you know, look like they're going to go down, have managed to stick around for a while. Um, obviously, West Brom as well. And this is probably one of the first years where two that have come up have, have been in the bottom three. Mm. Um, you know, but it'd be interesting. I, I'm interested to see what Watford do. I think Watford have got a lot of quality. Um, Jal Pedro at the beginning of the season was outstanding. 
um, mm -hmm. for them in the championship. Um, the Ismail Asar, oh, link, you know, yeah. fantastic player, linked with a lot of clubs. If they keep hold of him, they do well. I think, but the fact they've gone up, they've got a chance to keep hold of him, mm -hmm. and they might say, "Give us one year in the Prem again." You know, be our be our star man in the Premier League. You know, they got some good quality. Ben Wilmot, centre back, I really yeah, like yeah. him. He he's come through, done really well. So you know, interesting to see how it goes. They're both going to have to spend money. Yes. You know, they both will have money from going up. Um, you know, to bring players in, I think that's important. I think you know the teams that don't necessarily uh, bring anyone in will struggle. Um, so yeah, look, it'll be interesting. But I mean, two good teams. Yeah, they have players who 100%. they maybe not. Well, Lewis is right. Probably not Premier League quality, but have a lot of Premier League experience. Yeah. Mm. You know, you know, it doesn't mean at the right end of the table or in the middle of the table. A lot of it's around the bottom of the table, but they've got that experience. You know, you look at Dini's been in the Premier League. Andre Gray, striker. You know, you look at those players. Will Hughes. None of them scream out as really quality Premier League players, but they're all been there and done mm. it. And you know, unfortunately, been part of the relegated relegation team, but now part of the promotion team as well. Yeah, well, the, a sort of well, a very broad question that I've got here is, is what I'm going to ask both of you is, what do you think they have to do differently to stay up? Now, is it is it the case of of sort of padding out their squads a little bit more with with Premier League quality? Obviously, like we said, that the players are sort of in between. Cantwell, Max, Aaron's, Bondier, Pookie, all very good players. But is it just a case of sort of buying that player that's sort of a, a next level up? It's often all about scoring goals. They don't sc didn't score enough goals last season, Norwich. I've looked it up before before this podcast, and they scored twenty six in their thirty eight Premier League games. Yeah, which is not ridiculously great, low. And yeah. Pookie got eleven of them. I just you know I just basically you know, the first I just wrote off Pookie as a Premier League striker, yeah. but he got he got double figures, and he ne he nearly got half the goals. Um, that's the main issue, and it's the main issue more for Norwich. I think I think Watford will will spend more. Mm. I remember, obviously, the most one of the most famous Norwich fans is Jake Humphrey, um, and I remember him putting out a video. I don't know if it was when they got relegated, but when they when they got promoted, they they do things differently. They don't spend their money necessarily on new signings. They spend it on the club, improving the training ground, yeah, yeah. Um, and stuff like that. That was to their downfall last season, but they've come straight back up. <laughs> so they'll be hoping to have a bit more luck this year. But it's, it'd be interesting to see what they do with the signings, as I just said, because I don't know what they will do with the money. Watford, I think, will be more likely to spend it. And if they start next season with three or four defeats in a row, they'll probably get rid of the manager because that's what they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll probably get um, Kike Sanchez Flores back for the third time. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, do you know, I think the Norwich one will be interesting. Um, you know, what I watched of Norwich in the Premier League last year, I think one of their downfalls in Daniel Farkov was the style of football they played. Mm. They tr wanted to play out a lot. Mm. I remember three, two or three games where I'm getting caught in possession because they just just simply not good enough I mean we, we watch Arsenal every week and Arsenal want to play out and we know that Arsenal defenders are not good enough mm. to do it there's not there's not the quality there there's not the rotation in midfield at the moment um, and I think that's where Norwich fell, fa fell foul a lot during their Premier League time so you'd like to think that obviously they stuck with the manager and the manager's been fantastic to get them back up and the squad have done well Win, you know, I don't think they mathematically won it but they have pretty much are champions aren't yeah, they so. there yeah, thereabouts yeah. Um you know, he's now learnt. You'd like to think, and they're going to set up in a in a different way. Now, if they go and set up and they want to play and be f free flowing, you know, unfortunately, they're going to end up back in the championship again. So that'll be <laughs> yeah, a big yeah, test for yeah. them and, and how they do it. Managers have philosophies, and, and a lot of managers will live and die by their philosophies. And there'll be a lot of reason. You know, managers lose their jobs because that is the style of football we're going to play, and we're not going to change. You know, for anyone. Um, yeah. You know, I remember they beat Man City, did they three yeah, two? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they played Man City off the park yeah, really you know cool. but in 
that's a one-off majority of the time yeah. they're getting beat because of the way they're playing and they're not being conservative and they're not going right well we're Norwich we need to make sure you know we're, we're defensively sound and then we try and score yeah. what you said is right you know 26 goals but they try to play this free-flowing yeah. attacking football something's wrong there I, I reckon that was just the early season bounce from the fans the fact they're back in the Premier League they're sort of a, a yo-yo club they're up and down whereas yeah. you know, a Watford have been in there since what 2015-16 all the way through relegated back up again maybe they're more of a, a Premier League side um, so we'll, we'll move on then to well we're halfway through now so we're going to the scout um, a quick reference to last week's picks uh, Matt it was pretty poor Danny Welbeck um, Brighton lost 1-0 in a I think it's fair to say a, a shock defeat against the already relegated Sheffield United my player Gilfie Sigurdsson again did nothing another poor pick from me but, but Everton were obviously gifted that win from some well absolutely stinking Burn Leno goalkeeping and Tom our guest from last week well he stole the show and, and when he said Chris Wood to be honest I was thinking why the hell has he picked him but he's um, he, well he went and got a, a first half hat trick against Wolves so, so that shut me up to be and honest got an assist in the second half as well did he? he? yeah oh, he got an assist as well. fair, fair play Tom that's uh, <laughs> obviously well easily the best shout we've had so far right well we'll move on to the picks from last game week then and, and I'll go first and mine was Timo Werner Obviously, admittedly, we've discussed him quite quite a lot, Matt. And he's been very, very poor this year. But he did get a, a crucial goal um, to put to put Chelsea in prime position to finish fourth against the top four rivals in West Ham. So, so that's why I've gone with him. Um, I know we've all struggled to pick from last game week because it wasn't a great one. Um, Matt, I'll, I'll let you let you say yours. I've gone with uh, David McGoldrick just because right. Sheffield United. I'm just trying to look up here. You know, their f- first win um, in. Seven, six or seven, one nil win against Brown. You just just yeah. alluded to yeah. Goldrick with the, the win out. Um, you know, good finish, but yeah. I think it's fortuitous how he got the ball. Terrible yeah. Brighton play on the edge of the box. We just talked about playing out. Um, seven league goals. They've only scored eighteen this year. You know, <laughs> yeah. so you know, league yeah. top scorer might, might do worse than Norwich. You know, we <laughs> we. I think there's been a lot of conversation that he isn't quite good enough, and yeah. he, you know, I think he probably he, you know he isn't quite Premier League, but you know, he's he's. Chipped him with a goal. He's seven this year. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can say. To be I honest, think. technically on the ball, mm. not a bad player. Back, really. back no. to goal, back to goal, isn't he? He's not. You know, hold the ball up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the, it's the goal output, but yeah. generally on the ball. A seven out of eighteen isn't yeah. bad, is it? No, no, it's not. I think I think it's always going to be the way with a with a relegation team. Um, Lewis, who have you gone with then? So I went with Joe Willock, who I'm think many neutrals would have been cheering for um, in the 96th minute at Anfield last yep. weekend um, it was a deflection but three goals in three off the bench which is you know surely pushing for a start now mm. the Arsenal only and the interesting point is I'd like to ask you both of you is, is about about Joe Willock's future it's interesting with Arsenal we've got Saka and, and Smith Rowe and other you know Hale End graduates as they say um, what do you, what do we think about Willock, can can he be a good backup to Smith Rowe perhaps in the future, or do you think Arsenal should cash in and get, you know, twenty odd million for him? Well, you, well this is an interesting one because we discussed this in the five year rebuild, mm. and I, I think I put him in as a, a player that we really did to yeah. keep, and I took him out. But I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I think we could keep him as a squad player for the next couple of years. Till is we... he doing what exactly what we'd want him to do at Arsenal? Scoring I, I think, goals off I, the bench. Yeah, I, I think he is, but I think. Um, he's a number 10 for me hmm. he's not yeah. a central midfield he's, he's a 10 he's playing off the front man I think if we look at Arsenal at the minute um, 
Obviously, at the moment, we've got Martin Odegaard and Emil Smith-Rowe. Mm-hmm. All the talk is that Arsenal would love Odegaard, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. And I think um, I don't think Arsenal resigned to that not happening, but I think the supporters are. Um, I think there was uh, chatting a couple of days ago that they're going to look to get a number 10 or some description right. if it is an Odegaard. Right. So that doesn't say much for Joe Willock, personally, mm. just what I'm seeing there. It's a difficult one because he's an academy graduate, so you want to give him more time. And um, look, he's gone out on loan to to play games and and have an impact in games in the Premier League, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think Arteta's going to say anything more to him about that. You you know, you've got to go and play games. I'm frustrated he hasn't probably play, started as many games. I'm surprised. Mm. Um, but obviously, he's got a good impact from the bench. Yeah, Maybe yeah. he'll start this weekend. Uh, oh, he yeah. can't start this weekend. Sorry, he'd be against Arsenal, can he? Mm. So no. he won't play. But. Um, it is interesting. You want to give them more time, like you said. You want to give them more opportunity because they're an academy graduate. But at some point, you've got to say, I think a similar situation with maybe Maitland Niles. Yeah. I think he's probably in a better position than Maitland Niles. Yeah. Um, although Maitland Niles has seemingly done well at West Brom, mm. I think his probably his time will, will probably be at an end as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I honestly couldn't call what Arsenal are going to do. They they could keep him in the squad. But, but or... then, would you rather have? I'll put it back on you. A Joe Willock and a Maitland Niles, and maybe some of the players that, the, or especially. Uh, some of the fringe players, let's say, that are that are not performing when they get the opportunity at the minute, who are at mm. Arsenal. Yeah. Would, would you rather have those? At least you know that they're giving it a hundred percent, and the quality yeah. might not be to the necessary level that Arsenal want. Yeah. Well, well, for now we're not we're not going to get that quality, and we haven't seen it this year, and it hasn't been really present for the last few years at the level of Arsenal. So, yeah, I'd I'd give him a chance to be honest. I'd be more than happy to to have him sit on the bench and and, and sort of work his way back into the team, probably through. Europa League if we do make that well, I suppose if we do win the Europa League win the Champions League then I think if anything we'll be in the Champions yeah, League it's a whole different ball game yeah. then isn't it yeah. right um, upcoming week now for me I've, I've said look no further than Bruno Fernandes on my notes but I, I've looked up his uh, his record against the big six and let's be honest it's pretty poor um, I, look they've got Liverpool at home this week so anything can happen um, and, and, and for me that record against the, the big six at some point has got to change whether that's another penalty again or or a free kick or whatever and obviously he's a, he's a top player and, and this year he's he's been again fantastic for United and, and since he came in in what was it January 2020 he's had a, a huge impact on that team so I think if if United do want to win this game he'll, he'll have a big say on it Matt who have you gone with? Uh, I've gone with Matias Pereira from West Brom I think he's been a, a bright spark in a, in a you know, dismal season for West Brom but um, four goals in his last four games you know West Brom picked up seven points out of the last Twelve, so you know yeah. that's an upturn in form for them. It's not going to be enough, yeah. but um, you know they're, they're starting to put a little bit of a run together yeah. and a bit of quality. Um, scored penalty at, at Villa last week. Um, I think they got Wolves at home this week, and you know Wolves coming off the uh, home battering by by Burnley, which we spoke <laughs> about. Yeah. Um, I fancy West Brom to beat them. To us, a bit of a derby. It's a derby game, isn't it? So you know there'll be a lot on the line. I think he's got real quality yeah. and although West Brom won't be in the Premier League yeah. next year I'll be surprised if he yeah. wasn't in the exactly. Premier League I was just about to ask um, you. maybe not a starter at, at a bigger club but certainly an impact player yep. just comes across as a, a bit of a luxury player mm-hmm. um, which probably West Brom can't really afford but then he's probably been one of their better performers um, you know so we look at other areas of the team where you know maybe defensively where they've, they've you know come up short this year but you know an interesting player technically very good yeah. you expect Brazilian player um you know, it was very good for him in the championship last year to get him up. Um, but yeah, I, I fancy him to have an impact in the game against Wolves. Yeah. I think it might be a case of selling him and then reinvesting that and, and building around him and looking to 
to bounce straight back like Watford and, and Norwich have done to the, well, to the Premier League. If they want to bounce back up, they've got to keep them, surely. Yeah, you maybe, know, maybe, that. maybe that's the case. Yeah. Maybe they can is another question. Yeah, uh, Lewis, who've you gone with? I've gone with the informed man, I think, of the Premier League, which is Ian Acho. Yeah. Um, and they're away to Southampton on Friday night, and we know what oh, happened there right, last yeah. year. So, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping he'll get me, bag me a few, and I'll get the the the, the guests' luck from um, like yeah, Tom got last yeah, week. Yeah, but yeah. Leicester can basically all but cement their place in top four if they win tomorrow. Yeah. Southampton haven't been in great form themselves, um, and Ian Acho, 12 goals in nine in all competitions. It's ridiculous. I always was a fan of him at Man City yeah. in the early days. Thought his finishing, you know, was a different level at times. He went off it, and you know, and he wasn't good enough for Man City, which is fair enough. And you know, he hasn't had the chance much at Leicester because they were playing one up front, and that's always going to be Vardy. But now Rodgers is playing two up front. He's got his chance, and then, yeah. I mean, Vardy hasn't scored. I don't think in them nine, in them nine games, but Ian Acho's taken over. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Around that time, they had a lot of strikers. There, obviously, Aguero is the main one. I think they had Stefan Jovetic was in there, Edin Dzeko, Negredo around that time. So it wasn't maybe too many opportunities for. For Inacio, but obviously he's been a, a real revelation in the last mm. few weeks for Leicester, and to be honest, it's been much needed with obviously quite a few injuries, and we've just heard Harvey Barnes is out of the Euros, which is disappointing for me because I was hoping that he'd be in the England squad. He's been he's been very good this year. Inacio, I think he's got the attributes to die for as a centre forward. You know, physically strong, can run in behind. We look said about his finishing, left footed as well. You know, the goal on Monday night mm. just come from that. What a strike! Yeah. You know, no goalie saving that, even in the front post. You know, and that's the the quality. And and then they credit to Leicester. Obviously, they spent twenty five mil on him. Mm. Um, obviously, hasn't played as we said, Vardy's. But you know, for Leicester now, you know, looks all but they'll be in the Champions League next year. They need that strength in depth. You know, Vardy. Well, not, I'm not saying Vardy's finished because he's definitely not. But they need to have quality to be able to play Tuesday, Wednesday night in a big Champions League game, and then go again at the weekend because they're going to want to stay in around the top four. They want to pro- yeah. want to progress. Yeah. You know, the talk this week with Rogers, he, he doesn't want to go to Spurs. He wants to stay and he wants to build at Leicester. And, and who can blame him? The yeah. squad there they've got is great. Um, if they can keep adding to that, which I think financially they've got money to do that. Yep. You know, they have the pulling power of the Champions League now. But he he is a player who. Um, you know, he's only going to get better. Twenty-four yes, yeah. years old, and I think could could really, really blow up in the next couple of years and be be world class. Yeah. I think at the time, twenty-five million was maybe a little bit of a risk. They had players like Slimani, Okazaki was still around. Obviously, not great, but um, in terms of strike striking depth, obviously Vardy as well. That's that's three players there. So so fair play, it's really really paid off for, for Brendan Rodgers. Interesting, yeah. You just say in natural age, only twenty-four. I mean, he's been around. You no, no. feel like he's been around for ages. Yeah. He's only 20... yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said you said about Rodgers and Tottenham there, and you know. You know, as an Arsenal fan, I don't want him to go to Tottenham because I think he'd be good for them. But Ian Nacho would be a good signing for Tottenham, playing you know up along Kane, alongside Kane. If don't Rogers give him ideas. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Rodgers isn't listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, don't tell. Um, so- sorry. <laughs> not, not, not. Hopefully, he'll che- be the new Spurs man. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not a cheap replacement for Kane, maybe. Well, the, the local news agents will do well on the cigarettes, aren't they? Um, <laughs> or a cheap replacement for Kane, more likely. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll move on then to the Champions League semi finals. Um, first one Real Madrid against Chelsea in the absolute teeming rain in Madrid. And at one point, I've got to be honest, I thought that game could have been called off. Um, Chelsea deservedly went 1 0 up after 14 minutes through Christian Pulisic. Uh, Karen Benzema pegged them back in the 29th minute with an equaliser, and that's how it stayed after 90 minutes. Now, first thing I want to ask you, Lou, is, is that Chelsea were so dominant in that opening sort of 
well, I said 20 to 25 minutes, but probably first first half, really. Mm. Uh, a number of chances missed. I can think of one that springs to mind is the, the, the Timo Werner six-yard sitter. It was a great save from Courtois. Great save, yeah. Still, he should be, he should be, saving, he should be scoring that, sorry. Um, so, so should Chelsea have, have capitalised on their early dominance a bit more than, than just the one goal? Uh, you just said that, that you thought the game could get called off. I thought after 10 minutes, Real Madrid might have wanted it to be called off. <laughs> Chelsea, I couldn't believe yeah. how dominant they were. And you say that chance, Werner. I've not seen a player miss so many sitters in one season as Timo Werner has. I think Rio Ferdinand said it after the game. Said yeah. they wouldn't. An academy graduate, maybe like Tammy Abraham, I think was the example used, wouldn't. You know, he wouldn't get the same time that Werner's got because he was an expensive signing. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Chelsea, they should have. You know, they should have capitalised more on that. And Benzema's goal, which was a great finish, came out of absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, but that's how good he is. And you know, could that come back to bite next week? Possibly, because we see our clinical. They can be when, even when they're not even playing very well, Real Madrid. Yep, yep, definitely. Um, and obviously Chelsea, you know, they're in the FA Cup final, second year running after losing to Arsenal last year. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, in a decent position to to look to progress into the Champions League final if they can beat Madrid in that second leg. Obviously looking good for the top four finish in the Premier League as well. Matt, what what really defines success for them over the next sort of four weeks? I think um, if they can get to the Champions League final, I think. Thomas Tuchel's done superbly well. Um, you know, it was a, it was a big call when Lampard was sacked. Um, not necessarily because they were uh, achieving, because they, I don't think they were with the squad they had, but more because of the status that he has at that football club. Um, you know, and Thomas Tuchel, obviously last club at PSG, didn't really achieve the goals that he was set out to do. Um, I think they'll they'll fancy their chances against Leicester, albeit in a tough game. Yep. Um, in the FA Cup and you know I think before the game they would have bit your hand off for a one all or a score <laughs> draw you know I was yep. in the team in reign of Halifax so I didn't watch the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the first the yeah, Chelsea yeah. game but I was watching the highlights and, and like you said they, they, they were quite dominant early on and, and had some good chances I think they'll still fancy themselves to to um, to overcome Real Madrid in the second leg and I think top four as well I think yeah. I, I think if they'll sacrifice the FA Cup to win their Champions League and I think they'd sacrifice the top four to, to win the Champions League, yep. um, albeit they'll give them qualification for the next year. I think that's the one that they want. Um, I know they've obviously won it already, but that is the one that everyone wants. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I think, oh, yeah, you I know, so, so um, that will be the holy grail to, to win the Champions League. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they won the FA Cup mm -hmm. and were top four yeah. and, and did make the final. Whether whether they'll win the final, it, we'll see who's in it first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the FA Cup is a, is another big one to win. To be honest, I think. For me, success for them this year will be a trophy of some sort. We have that be mm. the FA Cup. Obviously, the Champions League will be big success for, for Tuchel coming in, and I think a, a fair chunk of that credit has to go to Lampard. Um, looking at Real Madrid, I think they'll be very pleased. You know, they only conceded the one goal um, with with that early Chelsea onslaught. Lou, do, do you see, you know, maybe a, a fairly similar sort of defensive um, performance like like the one we saw at Anfield, and, and, and looking to catch Chelsea on the break? Possibly. Um, they've got to score. Though. That's the yeah. that's the thing. They've got to score. Um, Pretty they capable. Were two, they were, yeah, they are capable. They were two goals clear, I think, in that Liverpool game heading to Anfield. Mm. Um, so this is a different kettle of fish. But they can score out of nothing. Benzema can score out of nothing. He's you know there's not many strikers at the minute better than him as mm. an out and out number nine. Got to agree. Yeah. Um, they're still lacking players. Marcelo is a doubt now because of some. Elect, you know, getting selected for some election, election something next really? week. Really? Yeah. Really? Carver Howe, 
is also possibly <laughs> right. injured, okay. and he's often been injured. Okay. Um, I tell you what, though, Marcelo was very poor the other night. Yeah, exactly, and I think he only played because there was no one else. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might be a blessing in disguise. They played three in the back, and he played wing back, and it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't great. Um, how will they play next week? Mm. You know, they, as I said, they've got to score. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about our predictions in a minute, but yeah. I'm just looking at Chelsea's home last three home games, and it they drew with Brighton, they lost to Porto, albeit we're already halfway. Well, it is a difficult game to stick or twist and lost to West Brom Yeah. so that was their last three home games now mm. I'm not sure how much we look into that ahead of the, the second leg um, you know they haven't scored a lot of goals recently take out the Crystal well in their last f- five games they've scored three goals one at Real Madrid they scored at West Ham and they scored against Man City in the mm. semi-final and they drew a blank against Porto and Brighton, so they're not necessarily free scoring. No, you know, if, if Real Madrid went one nil up, it'd be interesting to see what happened now because we saw their dis- defensive display at Anfield. Yeah, yeah. you know, were very good, um, albeit with a lot out. Mm. Um, whether any of those are back, is Ramos still out? I don't know. I'm not sure. He seems to be out for an he, eternity, he's isn't he? He potentially could be back this weekend for La Liga. They're saying so. If he plays out, he could play next week. Otherwise, that'd be a massive, massive boost for throw him in. Yeah, but for me, if if you had those, well, if you had a, a clinical striker around those creative players for Chelsea, mm. I'm, I'm thinking about Mason Mount, Ziyech, Havertz is in there as well, Hudson Odoi from the bench, Pulisic as well scored last night. I think I think they'd be right up there with with Man City to be honest. Mason Mason Mount looks different quality. I'm looking at him thinking it's not the same player. Yeah. Who fans all over him, you know, saying Southgate's son and Lampard's son and all this stuff. <laughs> A few months ago, yeah, yeah. he looks the confidence of him, and I've always liked Pulisic as well. Um, he's just starting to show the bit of form that he had last season. Yeah. It's that striker. You can't have Werner as your main number nine if he's missing chances like that every week. And it is every week. You yeah. watch him. You know, he might score one the other day, and then three minutes later, four minutes later, yeah. he missed an absolute sitter the it's other the, day. It's the Fernando Torres effect, is it not? <laughs> you know, if you think about those years ago where he was superb for Liverpool yeah. and went to Chelsea and, and couldn't hit the barn door. Mm. I don't think Werner's a bad player. I, f- I think you know. Watching, watching him in the Bundesliga, watching him at the end of where the German league started during lockdown, where, where our league wasn't going, and just the clinical nature of him running in behind the pace. You know, it, one little thing it reminds me of is when we watch Aubameyang at Dortmund. The amount of times he used to get in behind and he'd run from distance one on one with a goal. Yeah. Werner the same. It just doesn't happen yeah. in the Premier League no, as it much. Yeah. But maybe you now, especially the lower teams don't and the less teams don't seem to play that higher line they're very much a low block whereas mm. you watch the Bundesliga and you watch Aubameyang and you see the goals he scored there and, and Werner the same with the pace getting behind so easy and they might have two, a third of the pitch to run into yep. um, maybe that's look, some of the, the the sitters and the tappings that he's missed are, are inexcusable but I mean he's a very good player yeah. I think uh, uh, he's, had, he's had a tough start um, but has had as did Havertz I think Havertz exactly. still hasn't shown anywhere near the quality Ziyech shows in patches yeah, yeah I think Pulisic and, and yeah. Mount have been their yeah. best players the positive with Werner is he's still getting his chances he's still I mean sometimes he passes them up and tries to pass to his teammates mm. and you, you question what he's doing it's just a lack of confidence he's getting in the right positions um, just, just cannot score I think it's three in about 32 um, which is not good enough for the bloke who's playing number nine for Chelsea. No, it's not. I, I think it's a, it's a great point you bring up, Matt. To be honest, about that that space in behind, I can think of. Well, the the two most attacking players for Arsenal. Obviously, I, I watched a lot of videos of Lacazette on YouTube before he came, and most of his goals in the French league were running in behind, using his pace. It's, it seemed to 
sort of disintegrated over the time of Arsenal. He's, 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 he's had no opportunities in behind. Same with Aubameyang. French McGoldrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only sort of guy I can think of Aubameyang was uh, at home to Everton last year. He got a ball put through by David Luiz. Also, I think it could be the case of there's not as many players that are willing to, to, to play those balls over the top. Um, but yeah, I think if Chelsea do for a, a more clinical striker in, I'm, I'm not sure if Giroud's injured or not. But no, well, I think I think it should be because yeah. I think you know he's he's far more clinical. I think you, you especially when you can have the subs you can have um, mm-hmm. in the European competitions. I think he's a no-brainer. Yep. You know, if they mm-hmm. find themselves needing a goal late on um, in the second leg, I think you know he's someone that will, could create something for himself from nothing. And we've seen it many times. You know, yeah. ball bounces in the box, he gets his head on it, or or he's able to do something quite ridiculous. The goal he yeah. scored um, was it. Yeah, but the goal he scored this year at Atletico yeah, Madrid. Yeah, you know? sure, yeah, so you yeah, think yeah. that you know he's probably unfashionable. Um, mm. That's probably the best way to describe him. But he's certainly someone that you would, you know, if you need a goal, want to give twenty minutes to to just change yeah. things a little bit. Well, he gets the job done. At the end of the day, that's that's all you've got mm. to ask of a striker. Mm. Uh, right, before we do move on quickly, um, tough one to call to be honest. Um, Lou, who, who are you backing for this tie? Uh, it's interesting. I said to you earlier that um, after the game, Rio Ferdinand. It was Ferdinand, McManaman and Joe Cole. And Joe Cole and McManaman were adamant that Chelsea were going to win. They were certain. And Ferdinand said, oh, I wouldn't be, it's not that cut and dry. No. I'd have Chelsea possibly as favourites. I think they could, it's going to be a tight one. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'll go with Chelsea, just for yep. the fact that it will be a close game. Chelsea. I'm going to go with Chelsea, and more to the fact that Real Madrid aren't, Real Madrid of old mm. or Real Madrid of a couple of years ago if mm. that was a Real Madrid side with the, with a Ronaldo in it yeah. um, even could have had a bad first leg then I would have fancied them to come and, and overturn it and well not overturn I haven't got anything to overturn but to win away um, just not sure they've got the attacking mm. power to go and to score two goals which they're going to probably need yep mm. okay, I can see that I'm going to go against the grain I'm going to say Real Madrid I think Benzema gets his chances he'll put them away I've been very very impressed with Vinicius Junior there's been a lot of talk about him sort of doubt in the media and, and to be honest on the ball he's fantastic and, and going forward I think on the break he's, he's a real danger so if they get two or three chances I reckon they'll put one away and, and that's that's the away goal chalked off straight away and, and it'll be difficult for Chelsea but it'll be a tough time it'll be a good one to watch right move on then the second semi-final PSG versus Man City and, and PSG were put up one uh, put one up after after 15 minutes by the, the captain Marquinhos who we, who we talked about Matt was was very important for PSG and he's cropped up with a with another goal um, and they were fairly dominant in the first half second half though it was it was all changed the game was completely spun it said in the space of seven minutes first with a goal from Kevin De Bruyne a, a cross that crept in at the far corner Matt I'm, I'm sure you have something to say on, on the goalkeeping there. Um, a moment of magic, to be honest, from from Mares whip, whipped a, a free kick in from 25 yards. Controversial because because well, I've seen it after now, and, and the wall wasn't great. I think one of the players moved out of the way, so there'll be there'll be question marks over that in the in the PSG changing rooms. And then obviously to, to rub salt into the wounds, ex Everton defence midfielder Idrissa Gay was sent off for well, I think it's fair to say it was a pretty shocking tackle on Gundogan. There was absolutely no doubt about that. Now, Darren Fletcher on commentary described PSG as a, a sort of Jekyll and Hyde type team, not only in the first leg, but over the whole of their Champions League campaign. Now, first half they were excellent, second half lost loss of discipline really, and, and obviously the poor defending has given them a real mountain to climb in the second leg. Um, Lewis, what, what went wrong for them? 
is it um, too simple to say the manage, managed by Pochettino? Or? <laughs> it was very no. Spursy, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was watching the first half. Man City, every time I looked up at the telly, Man City didn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like watching Man City. No. And PSG were, were all over them. But they uh, they didn't create too many chances. They scored what they, what they did create. And Neymar was enjoying it. I think the commentator was saying that he's, he's smiling and laughing, and mm-hmm. that shows how you know he's on it. He's on it tonight. Yeah, and se- second half, second, he's nowhere. But second half, that was it. And Guardiola must have changed something second half. But the two goals, I mean, should Navas have done better? I'd, what, what do you reckon with that one? I, it, I think it's a difficult one. I think it's, it's quite easy to say, yeah, he should have done better. It's it's a horrible ball that is. Mm. It's a cross, but it's on target. Yeah. So, yeah, do yeah. you stick or twist? Do you come and be aggressive yeah. um, and deal with the ball, knowing that actually you could get beat, or do you s- stick on your line and you're now waiting to see if anyone touches it? Mm. If, no, if no one touches it, like we saw last night, the ball goes straight in and there's nothing you can do. He's he's reactive, he's waiting for someone to touch it because he believes they're going to. For me, I kind of think he probably did make the right decision. Mm. Um, there's still enough defenders that could deal with the situation. I think if if there wasn't, then then maybe it's a little bit different. I think sometimes the lack of pace on the ball doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. No. You know because if he comes, for, say, if he stays on his line and any any touch, attacking touch towards the goal, it's going to be a, a, a tough save anyway. The fact he stay on his line and you're reading the ball, he can only react once it's gone past the players. Once mm-hmm. he knows now that no player's going to touch the ball, and by then the ball was yeah, so close yeah. to, to the goal. It, 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 look, p- people are going to certainly say that's a goalie error. People are going to look at it and say, um, you know, he's got to do better, he's either got to come for it, or, or he's got to be able to react quicker. Yeah, f- possibly, but I think it's such a difficult one. We, you know, we talk about it often, and I think we've always said it for years that when, when we always the frustration, you can put that ball on target. It, yeah. It's such a difficult one for the goalie to know. Just it is they are undefendable. Any flick, it's a goal. Yeah. Um, and then if you if there's no flick, it's difficult to yeah. to defend and keep out. So um, difficult. But look, I mean, I think there was a before the, a Joe Hart. I thought was quite good on the um, yeah, analysis before, well. yeah. and um, he picked up some great things. Kevin Navas is probably the most underrated goalie I think in the world at the minute. Mm. Um, I think he's been superb. I, I would put have him in the top three at, mm. at present. Mm. And I don't think many other people probably would, and that mm. or, or many people would, and that that probably shows how underrated he is. But but yeah, that that first one he um, was certainly a difficult one, but. It, I thought Man City were of how they were not poor in the first half, but not great. They were fantastic second half, but it took had to take a moment like that of a bit mm. of a freak moment mm. to to spin the game. The second goal is absolutely scandalous. Mm. It's a semi final yeah. of a Champions League. It is yeah. unforgivable to yeah. to let that ball go in, and you know the look on Navis's face, the look on Verratti's face, lying on the floor. Mm. It you know as the blocker. You yeah. know, as yeah. that ball going, it, yeah. it just cannot happen. You know, at that level, it, it is such, it's so inexcusable. You know, that hits the wall. It, it, it looks a good free kick because it's gone in. Yeah. You know, any free kick that goes in yeah, is oh, a good free kick. But, yeah. but you know, that is it's such a poor goal to concede. And you know, Man City could have had more. I thought Foden was unbelievable mm. second half. You know, mm. the, at the end where he just jinks <laughs> through. Um, it reminded me Jim, Edin Hazard's goal against West Ham. Um, yeah. Where he jinks through and yeah, like Sanford yeah, Bridge. Yeah. It was just like that, such quick feet to get him through and just didn't have the finish. And, um, you know, Man City were well worth, yeah, well yeah, worth yeah. the win in the exactly. end, weren't they? Exactly. And we, we've talked about you know how bad PSG were in that second half, but full credit to, to City and Pep. And when we sit back and take all things into account, if this Man City team you know do go on and win the Champions League and, and, and potentially make it the treble with the Premier League as well, surely they've got to be considered as one of the best sides ever. It's a big claim, but the, you know the run of wins they put to, have put together 
they barely dropped you know they barely not won a, a, there was a stat about um, away Champions League they haven't lost away in the Champions League I don't know because when they were 1-0 like, down everyone was, they were right, sure they were okay. saying on commentary yeah. that the Guardiola hasn't, or Man City, Man City haven't lost away in the Champions know. League might have been this season or they haven't they didn't start the season that brilliantly and then you know, there was all yeah. talk of Tottenham potentially winning the league yeah, and being up there and City and even visit. United <laughs> yeah. even United yeah. they come out of absolutely nowhere yeah. and won all them games and then if they go and win the Champions League that's the holy grail for them and for Guardiola that's why he was brought in whatever they say that's all they want it's not easy just to say right we're bringing the best manager in the world and we're going to win Champions League we've seen that it's taken five years but yeah well, you know it, it could happen and one of the greatest sides possibly yeah. I mean, we, we wouldn't be saying that at the start of the season. I remember watching them. They lost five two at home to Leicester. Mm. It was on BT, and Ferdinand was on, and he was he was slating them. And at that time, to be honest, I had no idea where they were going, where no. they were heading, because Guardiola's been there what five years now. Is yeah, it? it's the fifth season. Yeah. So if that was the case, and they were sort of well at the time, Tottenham were at the top, Man United were at the top. If they weren't going to be looking for the, for the Premier League and the Champions League, it would have been a, a very difficult season for them. Right before we do move on, Matt. Are you back in for for the tie? Yeah, I think Manchester City. Yeah. I don't, it's not. It's certainly not over. Um, I think it's far from over. I think when you got the the quality of a, attacking players, Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria, um, then they've got they've got a chance. PSG. Um, yeah. But I fully uh, expect Man City to defend well and and score goals. Yep. Lewis? It's all about City's defending again. <laughs> Stones. Mm-hmm. We know he's had a good six months or so, and then he's had a couple of mistakes. In the last couple of weeks, um, and one of them little mistakes, and they'll probably punish you, especially in Mbappe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Neymar, you know, he doesn't really score at the minute in Champions League knockouts. Yeah. But uh, I think I'll go. I think I'm going to go with City, but mm. I wouldn't rule out PSG at all. A couple of two or three away goals yeah. isn't. Last, I think testament to to their defence. Actually, it was Mbappe's first Champions League game where he's completed 90 minutes and not scored. Mm. You know, and that you know, I think I don't I don't know if you know how the stat this morning was he scored 128 goals for PSG already. Ridiculous, mm. isn't it? And whatever you say about the league, you still got to put the ball in the net. Yeah. Um. You know, he's still such a young talent. Mm. Um. You know, they were, they were talking about when he played for for Monaco against Man City and knocked them out. Um. All <laughs> yeah, those years yeah, ago, yeah, he was 17, yeah. wasn't he? Um, yeah. And I think they they won. At, at, did they? I'm sure they knocked. They knocked City out, didn't they? Yeah, a few, a few players were playing there because Mendy was playing left mm, back. Yeah, Fabinho, yeah. obviously now at Liverpool, was playing right back. You know, so you can you can't write Happy off a team like that, can you? And, and you're right in what yeah. you say. The defense, diff- but you know, you look at someone like Ruben Diaz. I think he's probably he's got to be out there best defender in the, in the world at the minute. Mm. R- yeah. Ruben Diaz. Yeah. I oh, think he's outstanding. He made a couple of really big tackles last night. Um, you know, I think I think City have got that quality. Mm. I think the the back four that played probably the strongest defensively. Although um, I felt that. The, the change Cancelo to bring Zinchenko on was needed to have a left footer down yep. that side better quality but you know the back, them as a back four plus um, Edison in goal yeah you know, very, good. Po- very good Potch has um, Potch has knocked Man City out before at the Etihad Champions League so oh, you, never, know, you, you, never, you, you never know though you for me, Di Maria has been very impressive this Champions League, and obviously Mbappe, and Neymar. Mm. The, what the talk before the game was obviously on the midfield, and would was PSG's midfield going to be good enough to deal with Man City? Mm. And in the end, it was no, and it wasn't helped by the red card. Mm. You know the quality of Rodri, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Foden, and you think of those quality players. You know, I don't think that's the area of the pitch where PSG certainly mm. can't match with them. Well, we've seen on occasions Man City ship quite a few goals at home in the Champions League. I think. Years back, Falcao lobbed the keeper. They conceded five at home against Monaco, so it's definitely possible. 
You wouldn't be surprised if it was quite a high scoring game. No, not at no. all. Because Man City are not going to sit back and wait, they're going to go for it. 100%. Right. Well, I'm not going to go against you two this time. It's a full clean house for Manchester City with this one. And the final thing of today's episode is obviously Matt versus. Uh, last week's 7 2 battering uh, against Tom. I think Matt will be looking to press on it and go 2 0 up in this series. Um, well, I think it's fair to say we all know it will definitely be one of the hardest contests we'll have because uh, Lou, let's be honest, you know your stuff, mate. Um, again, no pressure then. No <laughs> again, uh, the same format 10 questions um, with a multiple pointer to finish the game, just throw a little bit of a spanner in the works. So today's questions will be based around football over the past week. And like last week, you, you both have different buzzers. So, Matt, if you'd like to play yours first. Yep, fitting for the week, Lewis. Okay. He's done it again, Harry Kane. Yeah, I couldn't put the full bit in there because if he explains from Lee, but um, yeah, I thought it was fitting considering he's bottled another final with Tottenham. <laughs> um, right, if, if you're playing along at home, make sure to get in contact and tell us what your scores are. And, and if you want to challenge Matt, I'm up for that, just direct message me on Instagram. Right, question one. In Sheffield United's 1-0 win over Brighton, which Brighton player had a goal ruled out for offside? Yeah. Uh, Matt. Yeah. Um, I know, I know. Um, he's been with N, he's a centre forward. Can't help you. M-O-J-A-R. That's not. You're so close. It's, no. Major. No. I can't no, give you that. Josh Major. No. It's, it's Jakob Moda. Oh, oh, I can't see. give you that. I'm sorry. Nil nil after after <sighs> one question. Very close though. To yeah, be fair. Yeah. I, I you, went, you went too early there. Yeah. No, like, you didn't know who it was. <laughs> did you? I didn't know. No. <laughs> right. Question two. I knew it was. I just didn't know what his name was. Yeah. Well, neither did I. Uh, Brentford won both their games this week one nil with the same goal scorer. Who was it? He's done it again, Harry Kane. Who was it? Uh, Brian and Buemar. It was. 1-0 oh. to Lewis early lead after two questions. I'm up against it now. Yeah, you are, you are. Right, question three. In Sunday's Carabao Cup final, three players received yellow cards. Can you name them? And now there's two points. That's Matt. Two points for all three, one point for two of them. Um, Emmerich Laporte. That's one, yeah. Serge Aurier. No... Can you get one point? Um. Harry Winks. No. <laughs> Lewis passes over to you. Chance for two points here. Oh, blimey. Why did you get two points? I've already answered one. Yeah, well, you should, should answer them all. Um, honestly, I have no idea, but I'm going to go with Hoiberg because he always gets booked. Hoiberg? Is that him? No. no. There's still a chance for one point here. Okay, and taking the port out of it as well. Uh, we'll go with Gundogan. No, so no. I get a point. Do I? Okay. You only name one. Yes, that's one point. No, it's it's. But so you're going to give him a point just for getting one, right? Well, you already you already said Laporte already, so it's it's sort of a tactical yeah, game. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think anyone. No got points for anyone. So <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was Sergio Reguilón, Emerick Laporte, Matt said, and Fernandinho. So that's what, yeah, that's still that's still yeah. one or to Lewis after three questions. It is, yeah. We had this after last week and then it picked up towards the end. Right, number four. Chris Wood scored a hat-trick on Sunday in Burnley's 4-0 win away at Wolves. But who was the last Burnley player to score a Premier League hat-trick before him? 
very early there, Matt. Before he <laughs> you even finished the you, question. You, yeah, you put us in a different question, on, then, Matt. Andre Gray. Wow. Oh my god. How has he got that? <laughs> that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, Andre Gray, 2016, December the 31st, first uh, at Sunderland. Blimey. That's a hell of a shot. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I thought you were going to say he scored the fourth goal. So was I. So yeah. that's why I'd come in and, and you put me on the spot. That's a, so that's I just a great shot. That's a great shot. Westford won it. Scored the fourth oh, goal. I was going to say him. Yeah, bang outside finish, the yeah. box. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't have said Andre Gray. I, I completely <laughs> forgot he played. I'm trying to think of Burnley strikers. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So that's one or after four questions. Question five. Watford clinched promotion with a 1 0 win at home to Millwall on Saturday. But who scored the only goal of the game? I am going to go with Jal Pedro. Incorrect. Oh, Matt, it's a penalty from Ismail Assar. It was, oh. it was, it was Ismail Assar. And Ben Foster's. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking yeah. that must have been a different game. Yep, 2 1 to Matt after five questions. And on to Ben Foster. He's been relegated from the Premier League with three different teams. Can you name them all? That's Matt. Watford? Yes. West Bromwich Albion? Yep. Birmingham City? All three. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very good, Matt. Very good. But there's only one point for them, for real. <laughs> oh, that's good. Right, so that's what? 3 1? 3 1 to Matt? Oh, blimey. Question 7. Who has the most yellow cards in this year's Premier League? He's done it again now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to guess because I have to get there before Matt. Go on. Uh, Gareth Barry don't play anymore, does he? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ruben Diaz. No, incorrect. Matt. Hoiberg. Incorrect. No, it was Harry Maguire pulled out in front with, with his 10th after being booked on oh, Sunday. Wow. Question 8. The last time Arsenal met Villarreal was in the 2008-09 Champions League quarter-final second leg, beating them 3-0 at the Emirates. Who scored the first of the three goals? <laughs> Matt. Theo Walcott. It was the oh, Walcott, a delightful chip, chip over the extra goalkeeper. Yeah, lovely ball through. So what's that? Four one. Four one to Matt. Four right. is it? Yeah. There's there's two questions left. Obviously the multiple point. So there's still time for you to get back into is it. it. Okay. Yeah, how many good. multiple points? Are, how many points are? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it when I get there. How many? However how many I need. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, number nine. Um, Neymar or Mbappe? Who has the most Champions League goals this season? He's done it again. That is. Mbappe. It is Mbappe. Very tight. Neymar is six. Mbappe is eight. Just doesn't score knockouts. Nah, exactly. Neymar. Yeah. Right, four two. Then going into the last question, it's going to be a tight one. So this is again like last week. It's a who am I? Mm. So four points for guessing after one clue, three points after two, two points after three, one point after four. First clue. In the last ten years, I've played in the Serie A, Premier League, and Bundesliga. No. Okay. Second clue. I've won two Premier League titles. No? I need this one, don't you I? do, you do. Okay. Third clue. My current team are still in the Europa League. He's done it again, Harry Getting Jekyll. Is that a Jekyll? He's made it four all on the last question. I honestly don't have a tiebreaker. Let's 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 try and think of something to do here. Dude, fair play. I, I honestly didn't expect you to. That's a good one. That is. To to get that last one. 
Let me fire up a, a generic question. A generic one? <laughs> yeah, last week was, uh, well, let's be honest, it was a battering, wasn't it? So I, I didn't expect that. Right. Here we go then. Don't bother in that. <laughs> no, have I got to do my thing again? It's just annoying. It's, it's a very small button. It's hard is, it, to push. Is, it, is it a buzzer one, yeah? <laughs> it is a buzzer one, yes. In the Premier League 2020 21, who has made the most saves? <laughs> Matt's got there. No, oh, I've got it. I know it. He knows it. Oh, I do. Sam Johnston. It's Sam oh, Johnston. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Matt's the winner. 2 0. He's taken it again. <laughs> Speciality. Yeah. Yeah. Un unlucky. <laughs> that was like. Well, you, you gave him a fair old game in the end. Yeah, that was good. I oh, know. No, it just wasn't good enough. Yep. I bet you did. Really good. Really nice good. This is the opposition to turn up. Matt, 2 0. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and find you a, uh, a more competitive guest next week. Oh, that wasn't bad. <laughs> no, I know. No, right. That's about it for today. Um, Something that I am considering for the future is recording maybe like short 20 minute episodes looking at the, the clubs to rebuild obviously in our five year rebuild series. I haven't forgotten about that. We just haven't had probably the right time to prepare for those episodes so I'm more than happy to do it on my own. Um, you know, if, if you do want to see that happen you can, you can email us, reply to any of the Instagram stories that I do put out, DM us, whatever you want. Um, Matt, as ever, it's been a pleasure mate. Yep, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and Lewis, it's nice to have you on. I'm, I'm sure during the next few months we'll, we'll get you on again at some point. Yeah, cheers. It's been good. Excellent. Apart from the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll, 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 have a, we'll have a part two coming up, I'm sure, at some point. Right. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much for listening and keep talking football.